Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm Russ Frushtick. And welcome to the Resties, where we celebrate the best of the rest on Festivus. Oh, that didn't rhyme as well as I thought it would. Festivus. Festivus. Now it's closer. Every every episode, we get a little closer to perfection. That was sort of like the the Eminem four-inch door hinge rhyme that everyone makes a big deal about. Which is to say, not the best. (laughs) (laughs) I I appreciate that you continue to let me try. This week, we're talking about uh, Unsighted, uh, which is just an absolutely fantastic game I can't wait to tell you more about. Plus, we'll be talking about uh, some new Game Pass gems, including uh, a brand new game called XO1. And as always, we'll talk about what else we've been playing at the end of our show with our uh, recommendations of the week. First, Unsighted. I realize this one might take a little bit of an explanation because it's not your Halo Infinite. It's not your Resident Evil Village. It doesn't have, you know, a giant marketing campaign. Uh, So I'll try my best to to sell it to you before we throw it to a short break. Unsighted is kind of a Zelda Metroidvania type game about a meteor that has crashed into Earth and it contains... And I, I know if you're, if you're anti-fantasy, I can already feel those eyes rolling. Just bear with me. Contains anima. And this resource radiates energy that grants robots sentient life. And of course, uh, because people are, are terrible in science fiction, especially, and, uh, you know, and sometimes in the real world, uh, humans are like, no, 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 no. We're shutting this down. Except for one doctor who's like, I'm going to work with the robots. We're going to fight back against humanity. We're going to uh, protect this precious resource, and we're going to make it so that these robots who just discovered uh, what it means to be alive can keep doing that. The video game. <laughs> Did I do it? I guess so, yeah. I, it's very... I, I wouldn't have started necessarily with the lore you, you, to bring people in, but that's fine. It's... Uh, it's, it's, it's... Yeah. It's good it's, lore. It's a good game. It, it's not bad. It's just it's a lot to sort of take in early on. So I, you know, I wanted to get it out there to begin with because now we can get to like you know the meat and potatoes. Sure. You know. Okay. So we'll do that right after the break. Okay. So I started playing this game uh, after listening to uh, friends of the show uh, into the ether. They had an episode with Dom Nero from uh, I believe he's at Esquire. Well, I apologize, Dom, if, if it's GQ somehow. Um, but they uh, had a great episode talking about this, and Dom was particularly passionate about it uh, and, and said that this was probably his game of the year. And immediately I was like, well, I, I need to play this if uh, there is a game that I effectively had only kind of seen rumblings about on Twitter, getting that sort of praise from from people I trust. And... Wow, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did that because I can feel it skyrocketing up my own game of the year list as as I kind of progress through it. Um, what what is your reaction to it? Because when I threw it to you, I I as someone who doesn't fully get the ch- the difference between Metroidvania and Zelda games, I was really interested to hear what you would think of this at first blush. Sure. Uh, so I originally played it right on launch day when it came out. Because it was on Game Pass, I was like, oh, what's this? I'll download it and give it a shot. And I'd been hearing some good rumblings about it, but I picked it up. I played it for probably a half hour right when it launched and was not immediately gripped by it. You know, Plant sort of alluded to this in the intro. There's a lot of lore. There's a lot of, like, info dump at the beginning. And my tolerance for that is pretty low, generally speaking. Not to mention the fact that it kind of was reminding me of a game that I also didn't super care for, although I know a lot of people did, which was CrossCode, which was a game we've talked about on Besties before. It was like a weird meta MMO, but not really an MMO game, top-down like RPG thing. And this has the same perspective as CrossCode. It has some of the same like puzzle stuff as CrossCode. So I was initially like kind of put off by it, but the more I have played since then, Plant came was like, no, you really have to play it. So like several weeks after launch, I came back to it and it definitely did end up clicking for me way more than it did initially. So I've, I have really been enjoying it. 
Whether it's a Metroidvania or not, I don't know. What are labels? Who yeah, cares? It, 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 it's but... a game that borrows, I feel like, very joyfully <laughs> from yeah. a whole bunch of different things and does it not in the way where, you know, you can sometimes you play a game and you're like, oh, they really wanted to go out and make this type of game where this feels like, oh, they had a thing that they wanted to create. And then wherever they saw inspiration, they just grabbed it and threw it into the the recipe. Yeah. So uh, just to like talk about what, the, you know, we've talked about the lore before, but what the actual like minute to minute of the game is. I, you know, Plant mentioned Zelda. It is very similar to like Link to the Past, Link to the Past era Zelda, which is to say you're dropped into this very large open world, and you're and you're given this objective of, hey, here are five crystals scattered around the world. Go get them to save all the robots from turning, you know, you know, losing their sentience, basically. And to that extent, like you have a lot of freedom about where you go and what you do next. Whether it's, hey, someone's like, oh, you could go here and someone has some gear for you. Um, or you could go directly to your objective or you could do a different dungeon instead of like the starting dungeon they suggest. It, it is very open. But the minute to minute of like moving through the world does feel very Zelda. Um, there's a lot of like switch puzzles and block puzzles and stuff like that um, that allows you to sort of like progress the world. But also that's paired with what I think is better than those early Zelda games is a combat system that is like very involved and, you know, with dodging and, and building up a combo meter and, it's and, so uh, and stamina and stuff like that. It's, it's very soulsy in some ways. Um, it feels great. It's yeah, a really great it, combat system. Something I love, 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 love about the combat in this game is you do have to parry. And as someone who's bad, I'm just bad at, at, at the hyper-reflexive games. I really admire the Souls games. I could kind of get into them. Sekiro, I just, I just, I'm just not good enough. I yeah. don't know. My reflexes aren't there. But this game, the cue that you need to parry is very forgiving. And the window that you can parry inside of is also very forgiving. So I found that I was playing the game to parry. Like I, yeah. you, you were really rewarded for parrying an attack and then um, diving in after that, and I, I quickly realized that's that is the way to do combat in this game. Yeah, and it, 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 yeah, it just helps. feels very fun. Yeah, I mean, I think the combat and the the minute to minute stuff is very very good. I don't think it's why it is on so many game of the year lists, or at least in yeah. contention. Um, I think that's more to do with the narrative stuff, which I guess we can get into now. Yeah. Uh, certainly the most unique aspect of the game is uh, not, not not the stuff that Plant was talking about early on, but actually the idea that every NPC, every talking NPC, basically, that you meet, when you talk to them, they have a timer. And if the that amount of time passes in in-game time, so if their timer says... 300 hours and in in-game time 300 hours passes which is much much faster than real time that character well i mean plant you can explain it yeah they go unsighted that's where the title of the game comes from and what that means is the, these robots that briefly gain sentience from this like meteor crashing into earth um lose sentience and they become effectively like zombies yeah um craving the 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 resource the anima that that gave them life um so they're the creatures that you're fighting it brings to mind uh um in the souls games there's always those moments where like the person that is chilling in your hub world uh at some point goes uh blanking on the term they use hollowed they go hollowed yeah and at that point they're more or less an enemy that uh, loses all, you know, you basically have to fight them or they'll kill you. So that happens, but for every NPC in the game, pretty wild. Yeah, and, and when Fresh says every NPC, this is like all of your friends, these are the yeah. shopkeepers, these are just random people passing in the street, of which there are many. This is even the, like, um fairy robot tutorial like person. Who, yeah, who is, like, who is the equivalent of, like, Navi in a Zelda game. Yeah. Um, any of them will just die. And what makes this uh, particularly tragic for your character is in kind of a JRPG fashion, you have lost your memory, 
when you are starting this game. But gradually you realize that you had very, very deep relationships with most people in yeah. in this area, that you were a pretty key figure and that you had romantic relationships, that you had very serious friendships. And just as you are learning about these relationships, you're also having to decide kind of who lives and who dies. Um, or you, because you also have a clock ticking down. So you could you know, be extremely generous with all of your, the anima that you collect uh, as you complete the game. But you could go inside it and then you, that's just game over. Like that's, that's it. Um, which might not be for everybody. So that's why we should also mention there is a thing called explorers mode, which turns off all of the ticking clock stuff. I, well, I think it just slows it down dramatically to the point where it becomes more or less, like the ticket, the time still passes, but I mean, I've been using it so I could say, yeah, I, I haven't been watching exactly whether people's clocks are ticking. Like I need to look more carefully at the numbers, but my understanding is that it just dramatically, dramatically slows that down. Um, I will say for myself, when I first heard about the ticking clock mechanic, and then when I played it and realized the implications of it, I instantly turned on Explorer's mode. I instantly turned that mode on because that gave me so much anxiety, which I realize is the point. I realize the uh, idea is you're supposed to become attached to these characters and have to make tough choices about who lives and who dies. The problem is I was not ready to do that. And some of that is like gameplay stuff. Like I didn't know which characters would be most useful to me, but some of that is also like, I'm not going to let my little like fairy creature that follows me around everywhere die. That's nuts. Yeah. But why would I also save the shopkeeper? And then I learned that the shopkeeper has this whole backstory. It was like giving me anxiety. And not only that, it ties into the gameplay because like as you're let's say you're go you go and fight a boss and you die a bunch of times, you're still reviving, but time is progressing. So you're losing all of that time for all these people. Yeah. So that adds even more to the anxiety of it. I, that was not the game I wanted to play. There might be people that want to play that oh, game. Not for me. It's me. It's, it is it is big time me. I, there, so there also are two modes. There's one that is pure anxiety mode, which is the hard mode where time yeah. really, I mean, people are just dropping like flies. Um, and then there's kind of the normal mode, which I feel like so far... Bad things happen, but I don't. I feel like I'm going to see the end of the game. Have you? Have you like lost people? Um. I, yes. <laughs> I mean, but 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 I I've been I've been very careful with the people that I don't want to lose. But I I think the thing that I'm most worried about right now is like myself, um, because there I've. I think like effectively saved three people. So you collect this this dust, and you can give it to characters, and it gives them like a heart each time. And if you fill up like the four heart containers, they will give you a reward that yeah. is a pretty big benefit. Um, I won't spoil what those rewards are, but I mean they are. This isn't like oh you know ten percent increase on your attacks. It's like. Meaningful. Chain, I'll, I'll give yeah. you one because they actually give it to you in a tutorial. They basically say like, hey, if you max this out, instead of um, having to go to these save points to change your equipment loadout, you can do it anywhere on the map. That's like an example of like a yeah. pretty significant upgrade it, that you it, get. It, I would say that is the least useful one that I have unlocked sure. right now to give you an idea of just how much better they can get. Um, but yeah, when 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 you lose people, they they effectively just go off <laughs> they like i i have not I was, lost yeah the, i was the wondering if, character like, do you but, fight them well i have not i have not had had that yet i have not had okay. to fight them but there are characters in the game who are like a type of robot like they served a function in society before this happened where you will meet friendly versions of them and then you will meet other versions of that type of robot that are unsighted so you'll come across robots not knowing at first, like, wait, are they an enemy? Or are they like a sure. shopkeeper? What am I doing here? Um, yeah, I, I mean, the game rules. It's just, it, it's so smart. And the, the, the big thing worth mentioning about this game um, is it was made by two people, which I 
can't believe. Yeah, that's wild. Um, it's wild. It, it's by the studio uh, Studio Pixel Punk. It, it's two uh, LGBT Brazilian game devs, and they th- it feels so solid. It's like it just feels so complete in a way that um, very few indie games do, especially with the kind of swings that it's taking. The other thing that I'll say about, you know, extremely to the creator's credit, the game has all of this going on, but the world that they've actually created is full of um, femme identifying characters, of queer relationships, like the gamut of body types and disabilities. And... It's very interesting that they've created this world of robots that is like the breath of humanity, right? Yeah. Like you, you get the sense that for humanity's flaws, they actually, because you don't come across a lot of humans in this game, they actually gave a lot to the robots that they created in terms of like, you know, capturing the full experience of human life. Which which makes this story so much richer when you both know that humans are the villains, but also in creating these creatures, these these robots, they 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 gave them so much, um, which creates a, I don't know. It's just a really interesting friction. Do you think narratively, oh, this is gonna this is I'm gonna get letters. Do you think narratively this is a stronger? And again, I'm not I'm not talking about production value or anything. Just narrative stronger than near Automata. Oh, I I don't because they're very similar. Yes, I, I don't. But but it, it's not that I don't think it's stronger. It's that they're just doing very, very, very different things. So like Nier Automata for me is feels like a creator with kind of at the top of his game, like mm-hmm. with Yoko Taro yeah. and with just more resources than he's ever had. Sure. And he's kind of done like rough drafts of the game, like at that point, at least two other times before it. With Drakengard and Near Replicant, right? Yeah. So when I, I play Near Automata, I feel I get the sense of like, wow, this is just it's stuffing all of these ideas into one thing to the point that it can't really contain it. And I, I actually think Near Automata is messier than this game. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I it, think it is too. This feels like a very singular. We have the story we want to tell. Um, there doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of fat on this game. Like no, it, it, like everything it, is very precise and there for a reason. And with Nier, when I played it, like as much as I really, really loved the like bigger parts of it, there was a lot of like side extra stuff that just felt unnecessary and tacked on. I, yeah. I think this is a trillion times more accessible than Nier Automata. And yeah. I, I also think if you're, if you're playing Nier just for what it has to say about the idea of humans as gods creating robots and what it means for robots to have sentience this does that better (laughs) and simpler i just think near is also doing so much else on top of that that you know like i i I can't really dock it against it but yeah no it's an interesting comparison yeah it's definitely some similarities and i think people who have played near will check this out and like be a pretty amazed that there are so many uh, analogs to it. Well, and even the like play of it, like the action style of it has some near elements. There's, there's an, an upgrade that, that is particularly near like um, you can do chips uh, yeah. like you could in near and chips are these, um you know, little slots that you can fill in with like, uh, Oh, you get an extra, I'm trying to think of like you want more stamina or yeah you don't lose stamina from running uh stuff like that like passive perks faster reload yeah 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 and that that works exactly how it does in near which is to say you can pay for upgrades to have more memory space to store more chips um i'm you know i'd be stunned if the developers didn't play near to be honest yeah oh i mean yeah i i I have to imagine i'm i before we we kind of wrap up unsighted and I have a feeling we'll talk about it more either on besties because I know Justin is playing or, or at the game of the year part. How do you feel about the kind of dungeons and the abilities that you unlock for each dungeon? You know, like in, in Zelda, you have the bomb and the boomerang and this game has its own particular versions of that. And I was curious what you thought. Yeah, I had, the, so I, I was able to play through um, the first dungeon and I was just starting the second dungeon, but hadn't unlocked that ability yet. 
but the first dungeon was the um you get the boomerang that can like carry elements right so it it can basically move fire from one place to another which i think has been done in a zelda game as well uh which i thought was fine i am not i was not super taken by that dungeon i thought the boss fight was like very epic and impressive but the actual like puzzle solving i think in general is not my favorite favorite thing Uh, there's a lot of there's a genre called sakuban sakuban it's like a japanese it was a japanese origin genre of like box pushing there's a lot of box pushing in this game i don't know if that lessens over time but early on there's a lot of box pushing doesn't really do it for me um i do like the combat in those dungeons though so um but I don't know. Maybe what 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 is the next ability? Maybe so that's more you get a a gun that fires ice grenades effectively, mm. and when they land in water, they create plat- like temporary oh, cool. platforms, which yeah. becomes, as you can probably imagine, uh, where you're at in the game, extremely useful. Yeah, sure. Um, and also the, the grenades can like break certain stuff because it freezes it. So uh, pretty cool in that it does two different things. Um, in terms yeah. of solving puzzles. And yeah, I think I think you're right. I I think the dungeons are a bit simple and the puzzles are a bit simple, but I also wonder if that is intentional because of the anxiety of the clock. Like if you had really challenging combat or really challenging puzzles plus the anxiety of oh my gosh, every second counts and I can't figure out this dang thing. That yeah. that would maybe be too much. Where- I don't I don't know about that. I think it. Uh, I think if that were the case, the bosses wouldn't be as hard as they are. And that first boss is like no joke, legit difficult. Um, no. Oh, did you did you find out how to get um, the recipe to make extra health packs? Mm, oh my. Um, you didn't. You definitely the syringes. The, you syringes. the syringes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that, but it was after beating the first boss. Okay, that's I cannot imagine. It was extremely difficult. Yeah, that I, sounds, I was throwing that all sorts of awful. perks and yeah. Yes. So early on, this is a tip for people. <laughs> before we go, if you at the very beginning of the game, if you go left, there's a city. I'm sure you can find a guide for this too on online. But there's an, a little area that will. Um, have a character who will sell you a blueprint to make health packs from like materials that you find all over the place and you find tons of this stuff make a beeline for that before you do pretty much anything yeah that's funny having to do that so early yeah yeah i Um, just stumbled across it by accident they also you can get just a permanent second um health vessel i personally have not worried about that just because it's so cheap for me to make you know temporary ones yeah um but i after beating the first dungeon that was my immediate thought was oh my gosh i i don't know how anybody would do this without that yeah that's uh that's funny because they actually do prompt you after beating the first dungeon hey you should go over here and this person will give you more syringes which would have been useful before but oh well Cool. Well, uh, I like I said, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more. Do you have any other thoughts on it before we? No, no, I, I think it's great. It is on Game Pass. Uh, so if you subscribe to Game Pass, you could check it out there. I know you've been playing on Switch, which is probably where if I had to choose, probably would I would have played it there. But I actually have been playing on Xbox. So also good. But having it portable is probably really nice. Yeah. And it runs so well on Switch, yeah. um, which was a problem that we had with CrossCode back when that launched. Yeah, I, think, I, I think that got patched and got fixed. But yeah, if if you're uh, worried about that, uh, let it not be a concern. Okay. On the other side of this break, we're going to keep talking about things that are on Game Pass. Uh, there has been a bunch of stuff dropped on the service, some kind of besties favorites. So we're going to look back at those uh, and I'm I'm specifically going to talk about X01, which is a game I think you'll see bubbling up in the games community over the next few weeks. So we will talk more soon. Okay, Fresh. So do you know anything about X01? I think I saw a screenshot of it. It kind of looked like Star Fox. Um, kind of, kind Just based of. Based on the screenshot, I don't know what the gameplay yeah. is. Yeah, but... so it, I don't know if you've seen these lately, but there's been an increase in marble games on PC, like games that are 3D games where you 
are a Marvel and you're just moving across the world, like trying to navigate spaces or solve puzzles. I hate it. You hate it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I like Marvel because, games. Well, so this isn't a Marvel game in that sense. I, I, I initially saw the video and the screens of this. And I was like, oh, okay. It's like a pu- puzzle solving game. This is a momentum game. So you are effectively a Marvel. But it, did I? Am I making the Star Fox thing up? Maybe I'm just thinking of a totally well, different. Well, no, no, I, I don't think you are because okay. you're a Marvel, but you're not actually a Marvel. You are some sort of alien spaceship, and okay. I, I do not. I'll be real with y'all. I tried. I do not understand the story. I really wanted to like whatever kind of like arrival sci-fi story this is going for. Um, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. Some astronauts are on Jupiter. They had to eject after seeing a strange light. And now suddenly you are zipping across like the galaxy in this marble. And all that, whatever, that, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you are effectively going through all uh, a ton of alien environments in a marble that can turn into a disc. And when you uh, don't press down on on a button, you are, I think, like 10 times lighter than gravity or something like that. Sure. And then when you do press down, you are 10 times heavier. So if you're going downhill and you push the trigger, it really sends you down the hill. And then if you let go going up an incline, you like fly up it because you're extremely light which will shoot you up into the air. And then once you're in the air, another button allows you to change your um, ball into a disc so that you can kind of float. It sounds like, what was the game? Not Flappy Bird, but... Tiny Wings. Tiny Wings. Yes. It sounds like Tiny yeah. It is. It's very... It's like Journey meets 3D Tiny Wings, where you are going up and down hills. Um, and the game is only about two and a half to three hours. And... Your goal is just to, you see a beacon of light in the distance and you need to get to it. And the, the, I guess the meat of the game is the changing environment. So, you know, you might have just an environment that's hills, but then you might have an environment that has lots of water. And because you're a disc, you can actually skip Mm. on the water or you can go, you know, plunge really deep into it. And then that'll like shoot you really high up in the air. So you're using the physics of these different environments, you know, that another is a gaseous planet using these physics to propel yourself where you got to go. Incredibly simple. Yeah, it sounds cool. Feels great. Looks, at times, like one of the prettiest games I've seen this year. At other times, like a PlayStation 1 game. Okay. Um, Is that intentional or is that... You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've been trying to figure it out. There is most of the time I was like, oh, I think this is intentional. It's just going for kind of a rough uh, aesthetic. But there are trees in this game that look like they like bought one tree off of some yeah. asset package. And then <laughs> there's like 10 of them. They're not using speed tree is what you're saying. They're, no, they're not using speed tree. Um, and it, it, yeah, it just looks really funny. And I, I don't know what they're going for. Um, I, I dig it. It's, it's cool to look at, but it's kind of jarring when you go from what kind of looks like realistic, almost alien skies, you know, like you're in the clouds and it's like, wow, I'm like in the clouds of this alien planet. And then you like throw yourself to earth and you're like, oh my gosh, what, like what Nintendo 64 game have I found myself (laughs) in? Um, textures are hard, man. Yeah. I mean, making video games seems really difficult. That's, that's kind of like <laughs> what I, I, I took away from playing this game is I don't think I would be good at making a video game, even one as simple as this. And I, I think like that's the, the hook of this and a lot of these Marvel games. I don't mean this is an, it's going to sound like an insult and I really don't mean it that way, but it feels kind of like a student game in the sense that it's such a like simple premise of make the marble roll to the point yeah um and then it's decorated with all of the other good ideas you know like it's you know playing with physics and a little bit of the sci-fi story that it gives meaning to something that if like you actually just stop and look at it is i'm rolling a marble north yeah i think journey is does the same thing where it really elevates a relatively simple input system yeah, which itself was a follow-up to a student game, right? Journey. A flower. Right? Flower. I guess flower wasn't a student oh, game. Oh, no, no, no. You're talking about was... the underwater one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it, uh, a very cool game. I'm curious for you, ha- has there been anything else that you uh, have been playing on Game Pass? Yeah, I mentioned on the Besties uh, Unpacking, which is a game about unpacking your room. I know uh, a number of people have really, really enjoyed it. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, highly recommend it. Um, I also want to talk about Moonglow Bay. Oh, yeah. Which is... Fishing? It's a fishing game. It is basically... The closest I can describe it to is like very Stardew Valley, but instead of being like a farmer, you're a fisher person. And um, you can basically make money and meet a variety of people throughout the town as you improve your fishing skills and find new fish and all sorts of things like that. Gorgeous, like um, low poly aesthetic, uh, really great soundtrack. It's just like a very vibey game where you just sort of like relax and chill out. Uh, I really like after you go fishing, you actually have to prepare the fish so there's these like little cooking mini games that you do with the fish you've caught. Um, if you like games where you like make a store and then get more uh, productive at running that store, this is definitely checking that box. It, is it boring? And I don't mean boring in like a mean negative way. I mean like, oh, you, you know, this is a game where nothing really happens and you kind of. Uh, I mean, there's. I, I I don't know if you would describe Stardew Valley the same way. I think a lot. Oh, ha- I mean. Yeah, I you know I don't know that it's quite as I mean Stardew Valley is like one of the best games ever made, so I don't yeah. want to like challenge things against that. I think there's I think it is very smart in the way that it evolves uh, and like shows you different things throughout the town and uh, different fish to catch and stuff like that. I don't I I didn't find it boring. I haven't spent enough time with it, but what I played I thought was pretty interesting. I feel ashamed because the the other two games that I, I wanted to flag are like the very opposite of this and will make me sound like, I don't know, you know, just like... Uh, a dope. Yeah, dope. Like, uh, so uh, I wanted to talk about My Friend Pedro. I really like this game. I it do came out too. a couple years ago. It came out a couple year, years ago on Switch. Um, and I think and, maybe... And PC. It was PC, on... yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's basically a John Woo, like, simulator. You are this... It's a... 2D side-scrolling action shooter where you jump into rooms and you can slow down time and perform all sorts of chaotic gun ballet action sequences, you know, diving across the room and grabbing onto uh, a hook that ziplines you uh, over the heads of all these mobsters while you, you know, take them all out. It, 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 it's very silly and kind of messy. I don't know if how how much they fixed it up. There are some um, driving action sequences that were particularly messy on the Nintendo Switch. But this is exactly the type of game that I love to see on Game Pass because if you're paying like full price for it, it can be a little tough to recommend to everybody because because of that, right? Like I personally think it's worth the rough edges, but. You know, your mileage may vary for that sort of thing. But when it's just a matter of the cost of downloading it, not so bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked that game. Did you did you end up finishing that or did you just put a few hours into it? No, no, I just put a few hours. In, and when, it, when I played it on Switch, it didn't run great. So I yeah. kind of do want to try it again on Xbox just to, like, see it run. It. I, I'm sure it's amazing at 60 FPS. Um, I also would say, like, you talked about John Woo. I think it's the closest that I've seen a game get to, like, a Deadpool action simulator. Yeah. Because, as you said, it's very silly. And not just, like, the graphics of it, although the graphics are very silly. There's also, like, you, like, throw a pan into a room, and then you shoot the pan, and the pan makes all the bullets reflect all over the room in, like, goofy ways. So that, I think... I don't know if that appeals to you at all. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. I, I did actually enjoy what I played, but I remember thinking like, hmm, wish this ran a little bit better. Yeah, I just realized that there might be younger listeners who don't know who John Woo is. So just quickly, John Woo uh, was a director who made some American action films like Broken Arrow and Face Off and a Mission Impossible 2. But his masterwork, which is like weirdly hard to find, is a film called called uh, Hard Boiled, and it is unbelievable. If you are in the market for just the, basically the inspiration for so much of the John Wick uh, knockoffs of today, 
it all goes back to this film hard boiled. Yeah, any and, any movie where you see someone diving in slow motion while shooting a gun basically comes from this. Yeah, yeah, it it is fantastic. The other um kind of uh silly action thing is Kill It With Fire, which I think I maybe brought as like a honorable mentions to a besties. But this is a, a game where there are spiders hidden throughout uh, different environments, like starting with a house, and you try to kill them with increasingly uh, elaborate weapons from uh, shuriken or shuriken samurai stars. Yeah, thank you. Um, to like obviously fire to to other stuff. How realistic um, are the spiders? The spiders are not realistic; they're quite cartoony, but. If you have uh, uh, arachnophobia, I still I wouldn't. I still wouldn't play it because a lot of the game is not knowing where they are. So you're uh, opening yeah. uh, closets or drawers, and they jump out at you. Yeah, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I know that that is a big problem for for a number of people. Um, any any other stuff on there that you want to mention? Uh, yeah, uh, just two more real quick, uh, Dicey Dungeons and The Forgotten City. These are both games that we've talked about on Besties before, so I won't go at length, but if you like, uh, Dicey Dungeons is like a puzzle RPG, uh, kind of like a deck building RP, uh, dice game, which is very cool, and Forgotten City we talked about at length, uh, for a full episode. Na- great narrative, uh, like said in Ancient Rome, so both are excellent and, uh, well worth checking out. Cool. I think it's time for some listener mail to talk yeah. about traditions. Uh, Let's do, it. do you want to just, we can take these back and forth? Sure. Cool. Um, uh, what was the prompt? I'll let you take the first one. So the prompt is, uh, what are some of your favorite holiday traditions around gaming, right? We're, we've, we just had uh, Thanksgiving. We got the full holidays on the way. Uh, you know, what What brings you joy in the gaming okay. world during this time? So you want to take the first one? Sure. Uh, this one comes from Cameron. My biggest holiday gaming tradition has been playing through the Tomorrow Corporation game Little Inferno every Christmas since it's come out. It's, uh, in my opinion, it is the closest video game equivalent to a f- the fun but moving qualities of classic Christmas animations. It's really interesting. I, I remember I loved the game that came before that, which was World of Goo. That was like their big breakout game. And then this game came out and I remember trying it and I remember you like set stuff on fire, but it never really clicked for me. I'm not saying it's bad. I just never got to the point where it was more interesting than that. But I do know that it does get to that point. So maybe it's where I got to maybe yeah. check it out if Cameron likes it so much. That was exactly my reaction. I feel like it's been on that kind of list of I really should go back and play that game. They make good games. Yeah. Um, this one is from Old Gamers Almanac. Uh, our group of friends will all travel back into our hometown during the holidays, and we make a point of uh, to play weirdly complicated Halo 3 Zombies custom matches, and more importantly, suffering the annoying process of getting Chaos Theory's Spies versus Mercs working. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both of those check in a lot of boxes for me. I'll say that I played Chaos, uh, that, uh, Chaos Theory, that is uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, had an amazing Spies versus Mercenaries multiplayer mode. Whereas like this asynchronous, uh, asymmetrical multiplayer, that was just it, like that was my college years to date myself for a little bit. Um, but man, so much fun! Um, and uh, Halo, Halo uh, local like LAN custom matches also spectacular and and supported right now in Halo Infinite, which is also very cool. Okay, you, you take the next one. Okay, uh, next one comes from Kevin. For many years, my parents owned a Wii U. Very nice parents. Uh, one of the few <laughs> parents that owned a Wii U. Kevin and play, Just to play the Game & Wario minigame called Sketch, which was just a multiplayer Pictionary game that we would trot out, trot out every Thanksgiving and Christmas, everyone passing around the gamepad after dinner. It's pretty good, to be honest. That's great. That's very cool. That I think the the more convenient version of that is probably one of the Jackbox games. Um, I forget what they call their Pictionary version, but yeah, I mean, their Pictionary is Pictionary. Like it's almost always more or less the same idea, and it's very cool that y'all have sort of landed on the one uh, game that you trot out and and giving the re- giving a reason to turn the Wii U on, which 
certainly been quite a while since I've had an excuse. I I love when I feel like this happens with, with parents a lot when um people fall in love with video games and they're outside of the video game world so they don't know that that video game is now irrelevant um and they just continue living in bliss thinking other people must do the same thing yeah and my most recent example i was in austin a couple weeks ago with my parents and i stopped by this retro game shop uh in austin and my dad immediately made a beeline for the front desk and was asking them where their Connect games are because he loves to play Connect with um, their neighbors. Sure. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I love this. And he's like, what what Connect games do you have for Xbox One? Oh, and they're like, oh, well, not a lot. And he's like, well, I know that everything's backwards compatible. Can I play my my connect games on xbox one so savvy <laughs> and, and he's like they're like no you, you know they, that was not their priority <laughs> and you can tell these I, I felt bad for everyone involved in this conversation yeah. um and probably because it didn't need to happen because i could have just talked to him True. All of this. <laughs> but he was so crushed and he hadn't i guess had not played uh these games for like six months because their 360 broke Oh, no. So then he he was like, "Oh, do I need a? I now need to buy an Xbox 360 to like or an Xbox the, One, right? No, a three a 360 because most Connect, of the, oh yeah, Connect was on 360 as well. Oh, man, yeah, that's where all of it was. Yeah, it's and so long. Xbox One didn't play most of the Connect stuff. It only yeah. played like the new Connect games. Oh right, the new Connect. Yeah, I know. Right. It was it's been so long. <laughs> but like, yes, watching him process all of this was like. It was sad, but it was also very charming that there is somebody out there who really loves Connect. And it and still, like I had seen him do this years ago, will talk to his neighbors as if it still exists and that they should go buy one. <laughs> um <laughs> it, it, it rules. That's incredible. Has he uh, seen the famous video of showing the foot? No, he it would be lost on him. Yeah. Okay. Actually, he would probably be impressed. Um Okay, uh, one one other uh, listener mail before we go. This one from Rose. Um, when I was little, my dad had a stroke, and that left him physically disabled, so we could never travel anywhere for holidays. Every Christmas, Easter, birthday, etc. We uh, have a tradition now of buying and playing a new multiplayer game as a way to spend time together as a family. I think that's, that's really awesome. nice. Yeah, no, that's great. I This is like my, you know, I, I had a child five months ago. This is my vision of the future is like fun. There's a number of multiplayer games that my wife will not play with me. The idea, you know what? Fringe benefit of having a child is I, f I can finally do some multiplayer. But the idea that everyone in the family gets together to play like a multiplayer game, that's awesome. I want more of that, please. I think that's great. So yeah. long as everyone behaves and doesn't get angry at each other. Yeah. Well, and I, I know I was just goofing on the Kinect stuff, but why my dad is obsessed with it is, you know, he is older he lives near a bunch of older people who have their own disabilities or, or, or inabilities to play certain games or just have never come in contact with a video game controller um so being able to like pull that out and have something that everybody just plays together during you know yeah. the fourth of july is really special and i i imagine in this case i i that that's such like a lovely tradition that you know it, it's sad to not be able to travel um but being able to bond in this way it just rules yeah that no that's great it makes me wonder when the next like connect or we sports equivalent will happen that yeah. like captures that audience of people that never ever play games but because it's so easy to just like pick up it suddenly does yeah 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 i, I think it's like it's there, there's kind of like two threads there there's that there's the accessibility part of it for yeah. the audience i was talking about with like my dad and then there's just this multiplayer audience of you know we didn't talk a lot about you know the new mario party um but i'm just so glad those games exist um for this sort of scenario right for the like that couch multiplayer continues to survive in a world that seems to be determined to uh switch almost entirely to online yeah no for sure and and more and more systems are actually supporting like simulated couch multiplayer where even if the game doesn't have online multiplayer you can connect uh, i know it's supported on steam and playstation you can connect over the internet and it'll be like someone is joining your game uh locally so yeah it's great to see as well i love it 
Uh, okay, that that's pretty much it. Now the part of the episode where we recommend one thing that pretty much is never a video game. Yeah, I hate uh, this segment because it's always like Chris Plant coming in with like, well, Aristotle's, uh, <laughs> you know, he he wrote on the wall and, and, and then he, there was a documentary about it that was 36 hours long <laughs> and you could only get it on this one streaming oh, service. Oh no, I hate what I'm about to recommend today. It's... Anyway, I'm go- I'll start with my approachable recommendation, which is Nora <laughs> from Queens. Um, you might know it as Aquafina's show on Comedy Central. It is now, the second season is now streaming on HBO Max. Um, if you haven't watched it at all, it's uh, an excellent, like, comedy about uh, sort of a woman dealing with the rest of development of, like, being a millennial and having uh, difficulty finding a job and stuff like that, but... Also, Aquafina is very, very funny, extremely talented, um, was great in Shang-Chi. Just, uh, I just watched that as well. But uh, I love this show. It's massively creative. Um, it's in the same way that like I think Broad City uh, really took risks with its episode structure and uh, format and stuff like that. Um, I just watched the time travel episode. <laughs> that was spectacular. Oh so I highly recommend it. Um, that is uh, streaming on HBO Max. And now, oh my put on your TED Talk hats. Oh my gosh. Oh my. So I went and saw this movie called Labyrinth of Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went and saw it at, uh, uh, at this art theater in Santa Ana that I love. Um, was it was it crowded in there? You know what? It was, well, oh, so that's actually part of the story. So first, this is it's directed by Obayashi, who did... Um, you actually probably are familiar with one of his movies, House. That like weird seventies eighties horror movie from Japan. It does ring a bell. It's like very psychedelic. It became okay. popular in America like ten years ago. Yeah. Anyway, this is his final film before he passed away. It is a three hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> about the history of cinema and also the history of war in Japan from like the Shogunate era era to like just after World War Two. Knowing that, and also it, it shot kind of like co- comedy French New Wave, like truly bizarre. There, there is a UFO that is flying through time that is turning a a movie theater in Hiroshima into like a portal into the world of movies. I mean, like very weird. Yeah, you know, we talk about weeds movie, weed movies versus uh, not this is or weed games. This is a, a weed movie. Um, so I know all this, right? And I'm sitting down, and this theater was playing two movies. One was Fantastic Mr. Fox, and the <laughs> other was this. And I get there 10 minutes before it starts. I am the only person in the theater. And this couple uh, comes in right before the movie starts, sits behind, like, two rows behind me. And they're like, oh, you know, it was so hard to decide between this or Fantastic Mr. Fox. And the the woman's like, yeah, you know, I don't really like art films, so I hope that this isn't like that. Like, mm-hmm. the only art movie I've ever liked was The English Patient. Oh, no. And and he's like, well, I think this will be really fun. And kind of like, the, the trailer looked breezy. And she's like, yeah, I don't really like movies that are over an hour and a half anyway. Oh, no. And I'm just... Uh, I I don't I felt like I needed to turn around and be like turn back you know there's no shame Fantastic Mr Fox is an absolutely fantastic movie go see it go see that yeah. fox um and ninety and, minutes long even better and ninety minutes long they lasted to their credit twenty minutes before very audibly deciding to leave yeah um, which I completely respect um have you seen the trailer does the trailer look breezy the trailer for this yeah, yeah it, it actually looks really fun. <laughs> um, which I, I, I it, you know, I, I don't think that they were deluding themselves uh, there. Anyway, it's on movie if you want to watch it. I think if you are the type of person who who really likes getting in Wikipedia holes and likes to like learn, like th- this is a movie that I felt like I was just learning so much and it's a movie that despite all of the pretentious sounding stuff is very funny and inventive the way that um obayashi does uh makes a lot of his films is he uses copious amounts of green screen mm. so it looks kind of like a blend between the uh star wars prequel prequels and like collage you know like where you like cut stuff out of magazines and yeah paste over each other it looks like moving collage um 
it's really cool. And again, it's on movie. So if you wanted to is try that, that a thing, movie, what is that movie? It, it M-U-B-I. It's a oh, streaming it's, yeah. service. Okay. Um, but it's, it, it's like Criterion channel, but somehow even more snooty. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but I, I found I, a way. I, I, I want, I, I want to recommend these things because I don't know. We, we, I feel like we have a very, you know, small but curious audience. And if like five no, people I'm, go I'm and see this. You shit. No, I, no, I, it, it's fair yeah. shit. It's very fair shit to give. I, I was going to recommend, you know, something like, I, I don't know. Uh, well, damn it. I was going to say Tokyo Godfathers, but that's not going to help me out. That's like also. <sighs> bring Meet the Clumps next week. It'll be great. <laughs> I mean, Tim Allen is fantastic in that film, you know, like a fox. I think we did it. I think we, we did, did the episode. To recap the games that we talked about uh, this week, we talked about Unsighted, uh, which was the bulk of the first half of the episode. Uh, I talked about XO1, the kind of like marble sci-fi game. Marble, not Marvel. Uh, unpacking Moonglow Bay, My Friend Pedro, Dicey Dungeons, Kill It With Fire, and The Forgotten City. All of those games are on Game Pass, including Unsighted, if you want to check any of them out, uh, which is really cool. Uh, you uh, recommend people check out Nora from Queens, which I, I completely support. I think is wonderful. I recommend uh, Labyrinth of Cinema, which is on movie, which I don't know if that is a like, hey, everybody go out and do it. But if my description made you curious, maybe maybe give it a try, and and uh, let us know what you think if you do. And you're and you're gonna bring a dummy pick next week, next uh, uh, next time. Unquestionably, I am gonna bring like reruns of The Price Is Right. I love it. <laughs> uh, do we have any any plans for next week? Uh, or not next week? Or next episode? In two weeks? Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll we will be in game of the year territory, but it's pop. Maybe we'll highlight some of the uh, picks that will not make the final, final cut, but are definitely still worth playing. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Cool. Well, thank you for making time to chat, and thank you listeners for making time to listen. Uh, We are so thankful for you for for being part of this weird experiment that is Resties during this extremely busy uh, holiday season. Thank you. So that's it for the resties. Because wait, no. Well, that that's it for the resties. Where we celebrate the best of the rest of the festivest. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>